0: Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi, podcast 371 for February 19th, 2012. Obviously, I'm not Rico. This is uh, your buddy Joe from Canada, BillyBob476 on the forums. Um, Those of you who aren't on the forums may remember me from uh, various uh, Skype chats and things like that. And uh, I did do a, a guest show way back when, in October 2009, on the movie Free Enterprise. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed that one that was able to listen to it. And uh, this week, I'm planning to uh, chat to you guys about a couple of things. But primarily, uh, I want to talk about the short-lived TV series uh, based in the Battletech universe. It's an animated series. So, anyways, I hope everyone's uh, had a chance to go out and see star wars episode one the phantom menace in 3d and uh has enjoyed it or has not enjoyed it there's a a very lively discussion going on about that one in the forums right now i think it's one of the most active threads i've seen in quite a while and uh people are very um opinionated one way or another about star wars specifically george lucas specifically and um you know 3d in general and and all that stuff, so uh, i definitely say go check that out if you guys want to. The forums are are a real, real fun place. I haven't had a chance to go see Star Wars in 3D as of yet. Actually, I'm, I'm really bad. I have the Blu-rays, and I haven't even had a chance to watch those yet. I probably should get around to doing that, or I'll have to hand in my, my geek card soon enough. Uh, though, speaking of Star Wars, I have been doing one really fun thing in regard to Star Wars uh, same as Rico has lately uh, I've been playing Star Wars the Old Republic, the online game and I must say I am really 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 enjoying it I I haven't had this much fun in an MMO in quite a while uh, you know I played World of Warcraft for quite a few years and uh, and stopped uh, in the past few months I guess a little while before Christmas I stopped playing World of Warcraft just because I found it was getting a little bit tedious, and, uh, you know, I thought I'd never say it, but uh, I wasn't having quite as much fun as, uh, as I used to. But uh, The Old Republic changes that a lot, and I think the reason for that is because, um, well, the company that makes it, uh, well, the company that makes it is called BioWare, and uh, they make quite a few other popular video games, one of which uh, specifically is called uh, Mass Effect. And... They started to introduce, or they introduced a system in Mass Effect and in a few games before that, including the older Knights of the Old Republic games, where uh, you had these branching conversations. And, you know, this stuff hasn't really ever been introduced in, uh, in uh, massively multiplayer online games like World of Warcraft and EverQuest and all that. It was more traditionally, you know, you'd go up to, to a guy who has an exclamation point over his head and you have to get a quest, and some text pops up. And, uh, you know, it says, oh, Hark, warrior, you need to kill 20 rats and bring me their pelts and blah, 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 And there's a whole bunch of text. And, you know, most people don't read the text. They just go to the bottom and say, okay, how many things do I have to kill? So the cool thing that this game does is, well, you know, you still see the guy with the, the flashing thing over his head, though in this case it's a triangle, and um, you go and talk to him. But the, the full game is, is voice acted. So, when you go and uh, talk to a quest giver, they talk to you. You talk back to them as your character. I mean, your character speaks. You don't kind of talk into a microphone or anything, but, but, uh, and there's options. So, you know, you talk and they, and they tell you what the, you want to do, and then you can react. You can say, oh, well, yes, I'll do that right away. Or you could say, oh, I guess I could do that, but you better pay me. Or you can refuse to do the thing. And based on your, um, your responses you can get uh, light side points and dark side points and all these things and i i just find that it really allows me to role play my character and i don't really think i've ever been able to do that properly in in an mmo before even though technically they're called mmorpgs massively multiplayer online role-playing games but i've never been able to do that until now because my guy has a voice and he talks, and he has an opinion and an attitude, and I can, to a certain extent, control that. And, uh, you know, I think that's really great. I'm not sure if I said it, but I have a, a Sith Inquisitor. So a Sith Inquisitor is a really cool class because uh, you're basically, you're a Jedi. Well, sorry, you're a Sith. And, you know, I have a cool red lightsaber, and uh, I get to shoot lightning. So I get to be really awesome and, uh, and zap things from from far away, and the cool thing that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to be a good Sith. So I'm going through all my conversation options, and I'm always choosing the light side choice, so I'm trying to be noble, and I like I think it's kind of cool to try and buck the trend a little bit. Uh, I'm currently on the planet Alderaan, and one thing that they did really cool in this game, because I'm kind of a Star Wars EU nerd, I read all the Star Wars novels, and uh, some of these novels, there's a couple of novels that came out a few years ago called, uh, I think it's called The Swarm War where there's this race of um, insect people called the Killicks. And they were introduced in this book, which takes place many, many, many years after uh, Return of the Jedi. And um, what they did is is this race, the Killicks, are are actually originally an insect race. They're the indigenous race of Alderaan, which has obviously been destroyed. But uh, in the Old Republic, which takes place thousands of years before uh, A New Hope, the uh, the Killicks are on Alderaan. So I, I got there and I was like, oh, this is really cool because there's a, a really cool expanded universe nod in here and, uh, you know, not everyone would get it. So, you know, I think with stuff like that, they, they did an awesome job and I am really, really enjoying it and continuing to enjoy it and uh, all the haters can be silent, because obviously with these games there's there's always a lot of people that have very, again, like Star Wars and things in general, people have very strong opinions about their MMOs.
1: I can die fighting. I imagine it's easier the second time around. Captain Duelos of the Courageous laughed. Very good, Captain Geary. If that's our fate, Numos interrupted again. There's another option. If we break up, Every ship for itself. Some of us may win through to the hypernet gate. ''Break up?'' another captain demanded. ''You mean every ship for itself?'' ''Yes. The slower and more heavily damaged ships are doomed anyway. There's no sense.'' ''My ship took damage because it absorbed enemy fire that would have been aimed at yours otherwise. And now you want to leave us to syndic labor camps?'' ''If there's no alternative.'' ''Quiet.'' It wasn't until everyone stared at him that Geary realized he'd spoken. From their expressions, he wondered what his voice had sounded like this time. This fleet will not abandon any ships.
0: So that was just a little um, audio excerpt from uh, the audio version of, uh, of a book series that I'm reading that I'd like to do a little quick review of uh the series is called the lost fleet and uh that first book is called dauntless uh the series is written by jack campbell though i'm pretty sure if i understand correctly that's just a pen name i'm not sure of his uh his real name but uh we can look that up at a later date but yeah this is uh, a a really great um sci-fi book series that uh really concentrates on uh, on naval combat and naval fleet actions. Uh, The series is set a hundred plus years into an interstellar war between two different human cultures, the Alliance, who are the good guys, and the Syndics, who are the bad guys. The, um, the, um, or who are the enemy. I won't say the bad guys, whatever. But anyways, the, uh, the little excerpt you heard there were the captains of the Alliance fleet, um, having a, a conference. Uh, The main character, Captain John Geary, is discovered floating a suspended animation in an escape pod 100 years after he made a heroic last stand against an enemy fleet. In the present day, he's thought of as a renowned hero to the Alliance, and his name is uh, used to justify poor tactics and poor decisions for people uh, for the current fleet. They say, oh, this is what Captain Geary would have done, you know, that kind of thing uh so awakened after being discovered uh, during a secret mission by the, uh by the alliance fleet that turns out to be an enemy trap, suddenly he's dropped into the fleet commander's chair and uh, he's expected to live up to the legend that he's he's grown into while he's been in suspended animation uh, so as i said this this novel series really concentrates on uh on fleet space combat and uh, what makes it really interesting. Is that the author is a retired U.S. Navy Lieutenant Commander, and he takes that experience of of you know fighting ships in the Navy, and he translates it into you know his universe into you know space fleets fighting each other, and you know as an extension he kind of takes uh, the technology, and he makes it very akin to kind of uh, seafaring ships. So yes, the fleets do have faster than light drives, but it's not really like Star Trek or Star Wars where you could just kind of drop into warp speed and go to a system real fast and, you know, have subspace radio and faster than light, you know, sensors and, and everything like that. So what it ends up being is that the jump drives will take you from system to system through jump points and moving around within the system is very slow. So, you know, you're going at fractions of light speed. I think the fastest they end up going is around, you know, 0.2 light speed in in normal space. And the same thing with their sensors. Their sensors are limited to light speed and their communications are limited to light speed. So, you know, you don't if you jump into the system, you don't necessarily see what's going on on the other side of the system a number of light hours away. It's going to take a certain number of hours for the light from there to get to where you are. So, using that and using the fact that communications are delayed to the speed of light, so if ships are you know a couple of light minutes away, you have a couple of minutes of delay between communications. Unlike in Star Trek, where you can call Earth whenever you feel like it, uh, he uses that to kind of create a sense of, uh, of suspense. And, you know, you'd think that, oh, well, it's a bunch of big ships moving slow, and they can't see what's going on, and whatever, and you think that'd be dull, but he he has this ability to write it so that it's very 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 compelling, very interesting and um you know, just really great, a really great set of books. I haven't been able to put them down. I'm almost done the uh the second book now. I'm listening to them on Audible which um which is great. Uh, I listen to them in the car and, and all that, but the same thing, you know, you can get them from amazon or wherever else in in paper form in dead tree form or on your kindle or other e-reader or whatever so yeah the lost fleet trilogy or lost fleet series sorry there's something like six or seven books uh by jack campbell highly recommended and uh i strongly suggest you check them out
2: this is the inner sphere thousands of planets colonized by humankind Once it was united under the Star League, but for the last 300 years, it has been consumed by savage wars. Until a new enemy appeared. Mysterious invaders known as the Clans. Powerful and ruthless, they struck like lightning, attacking every sector at once. But they made one big mistake. They attacked my home planet! Now in the spirit of the Star League, ancient enemies have reunited and we're going to take back our galaxy.
0: Okay, so on to our main topic, what you just heard was uh, the first chunk of the um, intro To the Battletech animated series. So, I guess we should begin at the beginning. Uh, What's Battletech? I'm sure, you know, it's a a lot of people probably haven't heard about it. Well, Battletech started, uh, the Battletech universe basically started back in 1984 with uh, a tabletop game that was created. It was originally called Battle Droids, and uh, I think that lasted about a year and was quickly uh, changed to Battletech. When uh, the creators realized that our good friend Mr. George Lucas and Lucasfilm had uh, copyrighted the name uh, or the word droids, and um, so yeah, basically it's a it's a tabletop game consisting of uh, mech combat or covering battle mech combat. Now battle mechs are, are big war machines, which are uh, I guess derived from tanks, but that have you know arms and legs and. Walk around. They're piloted by by human pilots, and they're uh, you know bristling with rep- weaponry. So basically, players would arrange their their mechs, which were re- in reality you know little tiny models or pennies and coins and whatever, on a uh, a hexagon tiled uh, field, and they would have turn based battles, uh, rolling the de- rolling the dice to determine if if weapons hit or missed, how much damage they did, if parts of the mech were destroyed. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. It's uh, kind of similar to uh, a layout that uh, say you'd have doing battles in Dungeons and Dragons or other kinds of uh, tabletop gaming. Of course, uh, table like with many tabletop games that you know later uh, developed into uh, a pretty long and widespread series of uh, different kinds of video games, including one of the first. Uh, getting back to my uh, first chat about Star Wars: The Old Republic, uh, one of the first early online games called uh i believe it was called multiplayer BattleTech, which you could play on uh the genie genie capital g capital e eni network way back when uh i never got a chance to play that and then uh later on activision picked up the license and they started playing uh creating the MechWarrior games of which probably MechWarrior 2 was one of the more famous ones in 1994 and then you know they all went on from there Warrior 2 mercenaries Warrior 3 Warrior 3 mercenaries Warrior 4 uh, the mech commander games where instead of being first person kind of I'm piloting a battle mech you're kind of standing over or hovering over the world controlling your mechs and uh, finally the mech assault games on I believe the Xbox I don't think they made it to the Xbox 360 yeah so with all this Uh, gaming and, you know, tabletop gaming and video gaming and whatever. This led to a lot of uh, informational source books outlining the universe and a lot of uh, of fiction narrative books, like novels, uh, detailing the universe of Battletech, which uh, very, very soon became just as much about political intrigue and political power and all these things as much as it was about uh, mech combat. So the um, the intro to the uh, to the novel, or sorry, the intro to the show. It's not a novel. Uh, does does a pretty good job of of giving you a really really quick and dirty overview of uh, the universe up to this point. Um, it's the year thirty fifty, and uh, humanity has colonized many many worlds, all kind of centered around uh, centering on Earth, but at this point in thirty fifty. Earth is basically not very important anymore. It's not a government center, it's not anything like that. Uh, and at one point, all of these uh, colonized planets, which became known as uh, the inner sphere, uh, were united under, uh, I guess, an interstellar government known as the star excuse me, the Star League. The creators may or may not have seen uh, the last Starfighter. I'm not sure, but uh, anyways, uh, the Star League was their uh, was their government, and they were defended by the Star League Defense Force, which uh, for the last 12 years of its existence was commanded by a general known as uh, or named Alexander Kerensky. And so, for 12 for the last 12 years of its existence, uh, General Kerensky ran the the Star League Defense Force, and uh, he fought one pretty. A uh, bitter battle against uh, usurper forces that were trying to kind of usurp the throne of of the Star League, and uh, they did win. But uh, everything, you know, the, the uh, relations between the the states within the Star League were very very strained. And uh, finally, in twenty seven eighty one, the Star League fought the Star League fell, and uh, I guess what, what they call a dark age. Descended with the five kind of great houses of the inner sphere starting to fight between each other, and no matter what the Star League Defense Force tried to do, they could not really stop uh, stop these this infighting from occurring. So General Kerensky, as a, a great leader who had the utmost uh, support of his of his people of the entire Star League Defense Force. Uh, led his army out of the Inner Sphere in a journey which was referred to as the Exodus. So he took the entire Star League Defense Force, all of the families of the, the members of the Star League Defense Force, the, the support personnel, the scientific minds, basically a very large chunk of the brain trust, in addition to the military arm of the Inner Sphere, uh, took off because they wanted to go beyond the edge of known space and create uh, their own version of the star league you know to recreate what was lost and you know leave the the barbaric childish petty inner how you know noble houses to fight it out amongst themselves so they did that and um by doing that a kind of a dark age started and there was uh because all this technical knowledge had gone away with the Defense Force, there was kind of a, a technological regression. So the, the inner sphere kind of started fighting itself or warring itself back into the Stone Age. Uh, they still, in the year 3050, you know, they've been fighting amongst each other for about 300 years. Uh, there's lots of damage, lots of life lost, but, and at the same time, uh, lots of technological infrastructure lost. And they still have mechs, and they still have technology, but the they don't they lack the the skills and ability to to make new stuff. So basically, what they end up doing is is repairing what exists. Um, factories and industrial infrastructure is deemed off limits. you you know the rules of war state that you're not supposed to destroy stuff like that, and um, and you know they kind of do the best they can. At this point, so in thirty fifty, you know, there's no major wars going on. There's kind of an uneasy peace going on, and uh, that's where we find ourselves at the beginning of this of this series. And now, um, reading some, I, I have this this fun this fun source book where they talk about the series. And uh, one thing they were talking about trying to do. When uh, when they were coming up with this series, was that uh, the BattleTech universe? As I've you know just started scratching the surface of for you here is is a very huge, very vast, very somewhat confusing universe. And this show was kind of designed initially as an animated series to get uh, younger people. Maybe it was pretty much targeted. I think they were, they were saying around eight to fourteen years old uh, to get these these kids. Who maybe haven't seen BattleTech before to uh, to become interested in it, and so obviously they couldn't have uh, a very complicated story with uh, you know all these five noble houses fighting with each other and doing this and that and intrigue and you know the good guy from last week is double crossing the good guy from this week and so good guys become bad guys and you know this is very normal in in BattleTech fiction and obviously in in. What amounts to a, a kid's cartoon show. They couldn't do stuff like this, so uh, that's why they placed it in thirty fifty right at the beginning of uh, of what is referred to as the clan invasion. You know, doing this, they could uh, very clearly show, you know, here are invaders that are a bad guy invading us, who are a good guy. So it was it was a very easy way to kind of create a good guy and a bad guy, which is kind of a necessity for. For I guess more of a a simple kids' cartoon show. Anyways, uh, to to get going on on a couple of uh, clips here, I guess uh, I can start off. I'm going to concentrate mostly on the first episode because it does a pretty good job of kind of setting up the whole series and the the motivations of why uh, why the first Somerset Strikers are doing what they're doing and all that. So so this is the first scene of the uh, the first episode, which is basically the. Uh, our initial introduction and uh it seems like our characters or the inner sphere's initial introduction to the clans
2: attention somerset i am star colonel Nikolai malphus of the jade falcon clan a full trinary stands ready to conquer your planet what forces dare oppose us is this some kind of joke you dare to refuse my bajal refuse your what prepare to feel the wrath of the falcon's claws. This is Commander Steiner. Enemy dropship are approaching. All staff and cadets execute defense plan Alpha. This is not a drill. We still don't know what we're up against. What in the name of Karetsky? They're not like any battle mechs I've ever seen. Your insolence has provoked the fury of the clans. Prepare to be destroyed. Prepare, Prepare yourself, pal. star Colonel Kristen Redman. Five against three, Nikolai. (laughs) Hardly an honorable conquest. Very well, Kristen. I shall dispense with these inner-sphere serents alone. Now switching to enhanced imaging. Let's show these creeps what kind of mech warriors we turn out at the Academy.
0: So they do end up showing them, showing the clans, the kind of mech warriors they turn out at the academy, unfortunately, by all being defeated very, very, very easily by the clan's incredibly advanced uh, and destructive mechs. So um, one thing, uh, that was a bit of a longer clip. I cut it off around there, but basically, uh, yeah, they do end up being uh, defeated pretty handily by the clans and, uh, you know, all the the planet Somerset being taken and, uh, the McQuarters of the planet of the garrison being, uh, taken prisoner. Uh, one very interesting thing that I wanted to point out from that relatively long clip was closer to the end. You heard, uh, the main bad guy, star Colonel Nikolai Malthus, who I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, you hear him say, uh, initiate enhanced imaging. Uh, and this is, uh, something that they introduced into the series, um, to introduce computer graphics so what this looks like on the screen is when they say it before they say that it's a standard you know animation very i guess you could compare it very much to the animation style of say gi joe or transformers uh you know the 80s cartoons but uh once they initiate the enhanced imaging system on their mechs uh the whole uh scene turns into uh cgi now uh, the CGI, for, for its time, this this series came out in 1994. It's it's pretty good, and it does the job within the confines of uh, of what they require to do. So this enhanced imaging system is supposed to represent uh, the clan's advanced targeting system in their mech. So, you know, the mechs are all represented as they would look in uh, computer graphics. They have interesting uh, kind of uh, color tinges to them, like... You know, Nikolai Maltese's clan uh, mech is is red, in in the outside world, let's say, and then in the inside, you know, inside the enhanced imaging computer-generated graphics world, it's still red. But all the clan mechs have more of a green tinge, and all of the intersphere mechs have more of a red tinge, which makes it very easy to tell kind of what team people are on. Which, in one way, makes it easier for us, the viewers, to know. Oh, that's a clan mech, and that's an sphere mech but it also within the confines of you know the show it would also be that way you know so that the the mech pilots could see which mechs are friendly and which are enemy much more quickly and uh you know as i said the CGI looks looks half decent it's not you know it's nothing compared to the CGI we have today but uh it it does a very good job and i thought it was uh a very interesting uh, twist to make the show unique, and actually, it was the thing that initially drew me to the show. I think I, I flipped by it on uh, on a Saturday morning when it was originally on. I said, "Oh my God, it's it's these cool-looking mechs, and they're in computer graphics, and this is really awesome." And uh, so, all of the battle kind of mech to mech battles in the show are done through this enhanced imaging kind of computer graphics uh, simulation, which uh, which is real really really interesting so as we heard um the the invading clan is known as the jade falcon clan there are actually multiple uh, invading clans invading different parts of the uh the inner sphere all at once in the the grander scheme of things but uh as we talked about before the to uh to keep the scope of things kind of to a more manageable level for people without much experience in BattleTech, they decided to Isolate things to the the Jade Falcon, as it's referred to, invasion corridor, which consists of uh, planets in the two realms known as the Federated Commonwealth and the Draconis Combine. So, uh, further to that, we meet uh, Nikolai Malthus, Star Colonel Nikolai Malthus of the Jade Falcon Clan. He's the commander of the Falcon's Claws, which is uh, kind of the military unit that becomes the main uh, antagonist of, of the rest of the series. So now we go on to meet our, our main protagonist, the main good guy, Major Adam Steiner. He uh, is teaching at the military academy on uh, the capital planet of the Federated Commonwealth. And uh, he's running some battle simulations when he ends up hearing that, uh, that his home planet of Somerset has come under attack. So uh, we have that clip right here. <laughs>
2: Adam! Turn on the vid screen! Somerset's been attacked! The intelligence secretariat intercepted these battle transmissions. They were the only messages to make it out. Their battle mechs are more powerful than anything we've ever encountered. Somerset never had a chance. Those lousy drags have gone too far this time. That invasion force wasn't from the Draconis Combine. It's from beyond the periphery. Beyond? We don't know who they are. We don't even know if they're human.
0: What about my brother? Did Did Andrew make it? So the other person talking in that scene is uh, Lieutenant Rachel Specter, who's uh major steiner's exo and tactical operations officer uh so she's the person if anyone's ever played uh the mech commander game she's kind of the the person that would sit in the ship kind of above the battle and um coordinate the mech forces and you know provide communications and and all that stuff uh and what you can't see at the end uh you know when Adam asks if uh, his brother is okay and his brother survived, Rachel actually kind of tears up. And so uh, I guess the the implication is that he uh, indeed did not survive. So uh, this obviously upsets Adam, and uh, he wants to do something about this and uh, mount some kind of, of rescue operation or something to go and, and, you know, free his home planet. Now, one thing I should mention is that uh, the Steiner name is actually somewhat important in the... Uh, Battletech universe Uh, House Steiner is actually the ruling house of um, or half of the ruling house of the Federated Commonwealth so he is a uh, distant cousin of the Archon of the Federated Commonwealth which uh, allows him to sneak his way in and get an audience with her which, uh, which I have right here
2: Presenting Major Adam Steiner Highness, by your request I requested no such thing Who are you? A distant cousin Highness Using the Steiner name to gain an audience? I hereby volunteer to lead a unit to liberate my homeworld, Somerset. Request denied. Somerset is only one of many planets hit by these mysterious invaders. The Deconis Combine may seize this opportunity and likewise attack. This isn't just about Somerset, Archon. It concerns the entire Commonwealth. I'm listening. With a small independent unit heading towards Somerset. I could have the freedom to jump through all the occupied systems and gather information about the invaders. Until we know something about them, what hope do we have of defeating them? Hmm. Your proposal has merit, but I'm afraid I haven't a ship to spare. I'm sorry, Major.
0: So, unfortunately, request denied because, uh, <laughs> not, not because it's a bad idea, but because, uh, there's no ships to carry them over to, uh, to Somerset to, uh, to free the planet. So this brings up uh, something to talk about, which are uh, ships in the Battletech universe. Uh, interestingly, somewhat similar. I didn't plan this, I promise. But somewhat similar to uh, the ships from the, uh, the book series that I, I reviewed a little earlier in the, in the podcast. Um, traveling through space in Battletech is, is a bit of a, a clunky affair. Uh, they do have jump drives. But uh, they have also, at the very least, two different kinds of ships. They have jump ships and they have drop ships. So the job of the jump ship is only to jump from star to star. That's all they do, and they carry a wide variety and number of uh, drop ships. So what happens is that the jump ship performs a hyperspace jump, uh, appears in a new system, and then any drop ships it's carrying you know, take off and they are all the ships that, that travel in system, and again, like the books I was talking about, uh, it could take a couple of days, you know, to do a, a quote-unquote burn in system to get to a planet, and then the dropships will land and, you know, do whatever they have to do, and, uh, you know, dropships don't necessarily belong to different jump ships. The jump ships are more like, are more like taxis, so you kind of, if you're piloting a dropship, you catch a jump ship out of the system. And not only that, but the jump ships also can't really um, jump very often. It takes a very long time to uh, to recharge the drive cores. They do it, they have these very large solar sails that they uh, deploy behind the ship, and it takes about a week on average, I believe, to, um, to charge the jump drives. So again, traveling, say you have to travel over five systems, it could take five weeks. So, um, again, it's kind of a more, I don't know if I want to say realistic way to travel through space, but it's definitely slower than, uh, than what we're used to seeing in, uh, in sci-fi shows that we're, that we're used to. But, uh, you know, despite the fact that the Archon says that there's no ships available, um... It turns out that one becomes available, uh, a ship from the Draconis Combine, which I don't think I've talked about much, um, aside from that they're involved in this situation. Um, So there is a little bit of this uh, political maneuvering that's so inherent to the Battletech universe within this show, which uh, is kind of characterized through the interactions between people from the federated commonwealth and the draconis combine now the federated commonwealth and the draconis combine have been enemies for hundreds of years you know all the 300 years through these succession wars that happened after the star league fell and uh at this point they're very distrustful of each other they're in an easy peace there is some trade going on between the two of them but uh The people of the Federated Commonwealth and the people of the Draconis Combine are not friends. But, uh, you know, the next scene cuts over to uh, the Draconis Combine jump ship Katana, which is uh, apparently a trading vessel that's trading inside the Federated Commonwealth. And all of a sudden, uh, Federated Commonwealth Marines burst in and uh, accuse them of smuggling. And as it turns out, they are indeed smuggling And uh, in this this is where we meet uh, actually three more of our main characters. Uh, captain Frestadt, who's the captain of uh, the jump ship Katana. Uh, Franklin Sakamoto, who is, according to him, a traitor, but in reality he's, he's a smuggler. And uh, Captain Miles Hawkins, who's the leader of the, uh, the, the Fedcom Marines, who take back the ship. Which, of course, means that, oh, well, all of a sudden, a ship is available. So the Archon quickly contacts Major Steiner and says if he can convince the uh, Draconis Combine crew to work alongside their former enemies in the Federated Commonwealth, then, um, well, he's got himself a ship. And so I'm
2: offering you all an opportunity. You can continue your duties aboard the drop ship Quaidon and Jump Ship Katana, but under my command. It's a dangerous mission. But these invaders are a threat to us all. We would rather eat vegan slug rots than serve with filthy Fedcom sleaze. Yes, I, yes. I agree. Who are you calling sleaze, you you stinking little drac? <laughs> I saw it, Major. It would appear that your little mission has been scrubbed. I am retaking possession of this craft. Anyone else? This foolishness ends now, franklin Son. Let us retain some dignity, ya? I am a businessman, not a warrior. When this mission ends and the invaders are gone, what happens to us? You'll be free to return to the Draconis Combine, along with your ship. In that case, Major, my answer is yes. Remaining aboard will allow us to return this vessel to Isisaki Shipping. Is that not an honorable goal?
0: Then it's settled. Of course, it's not really settled. Uh, The ship proceeds to jump into the next system and immediately comes under attack by pirate arrow fighters. Um, And Franklin Sakamoto comes onto the bridge just in time to say that uh, he arranged the attack so that uh, he could take his ship back. What he soon realizes is that the pirates uh, aren't going to uh, stop at just helping him take the ship back. They're going to destroy the ship. So he uh, pretty quickly uh, throws his lot in temporarily again with, uh, with Steiner and his people. They defend the ship with uh major steiner and uh captain hawkins the uh marine commander who uh major steiner also recruited since he was on the ship to uh to be on the team and they bring uh <laughs> the mechs out onto the uh the skin the outer hull of the uh of the dropship, and uh use their firepower to uh to take down some of the um, some of the attacking ships and uh, a couple of other things happen they end up saving the ship and uh They lock up Franklin Sakamoto because obviously he can't be trusted, and um, they're about to ship him off to a Federated Commonwealth prison, but then this uh, communication comes through.
1: Major Steiner, we've just received a message for you from Tharkat.
0: Put it through.
2: Greetings, Major Steiner. I regret to report that the Draconis Combine has suffered as badly from the same invaders that defeated Somerset. The Draconis High Command has approved your unit to operate as a coalition strike force against this mutual threat. The coordinator himself hopes that his subjects will do nothing to bring him dishonor. We live in interesting times. Gady
0: demands that I honor the wishes of my coordinator. I will serve under you for now. So aside from one little final scene, that's pretty much that for, uh, the first episode of the series, The Gathering Storm, uh, over the next episode or two, the, uh, first Somerset Strikers, uh, continue to build out their team a little bit until they have, um, enough people and they, uh, start heading into the frontier, making their way towards Somerset and, uh, along the way, obviously they, they, they encounter, uh, the Falcon's Claws a couple of times and, um. You know, things develop from there in in a couple of interesting ways, and um, you know, over time, what begins to happen is that uh, as uh, Nikolai Malthus kind of gets, he doesn't really get defeated every time. He rarely gets defeated. In fact, it usually ends up with the the strikers uh, running because their equipment isn't quite up to snuff to, to defeat the clans. But the fact that they keep getting away infuriates Nikolai Malthus and he starts to kind of lose his uh, focus on the invasion and starts to focus more and more on uh, destroying Adam Steiner and the strikers, which, uh, you know, to a certain point starts to uh, become, uh, starts to have a negative effect on him and his, uh, his prestige within uh, the clan So anyways, uh, I guess uh, we can talk about ways that you can get this show. Now, unfortunately, uh, there is no DVD version or anything of of this show. This is kind of one of those lost things. Uh, It was distributed by Saban Entertainment, which uh, has since been purchased by Disney. And uh, I know I've looked around quite a bit. And uh, I don't see any plans or, or anything like that to put out uh, DVD versions of the show, which is unfortunate because it's quite an enjoyable show. Uh, the episodes are available on YouTube, and uh, they're available in a couple of other places on the web. And uh, the YouTube versions have been up for quite a while, and they don't look like they're in any danger of being taken down. So, you know, if, if you're on YouTube one day and you're, you feel like watching them, feel free to head over there, and uh, I'm sure I will provide some links at the very least to the first episode and you can find the rest from there uh unfortunately the quality of a few of the episodes isn't really up to snuff these all seem to be uh rips of vhs tapes that people have taped off of i think most of them are off australian tv and uh so the sound quality on uh, on quite a few of the episodes is very very tinny and you kind of have to jack it up a little bit but uh, yeah, so the series ran for uh, for fourteen episodes. So the the full the full first season ran, which is more than we could say of of some of our beloved shows, aka Firefly. And um, unfortunately, they do leave us on a little bit of a cliffhanger. They do. I, I won't ruin it for for anybody, but suffice it to say, they do they do get to Somerset, and uh, there is uh, there is some fighting there, and um, we're left off with, uh, with a bit of a surprise. So, uh, so yeah, um, Battletech, wonderful show. And, um, I hope that I, I gave you guys a little bit of, of an inkling to, uh, to take a look at both the show and at the, uh, the universe, uh, in, in greater detail of, you know, the, the books, are are very 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 interesting if if you're into uh, if you're into some sci-fi. I know quite a few of them are out of print at this point, but they can easily be found. Uh, there's still a few of them available on Amazon, and there's a whole bunch of them available on eBay. And um, if you love big robots shooting each other and political intrigue and everything like that, then I would most definitely give uh, both the BattleTech animated series and the BattleTech uh, universe in general. Uh, a bit of a look so I guess uh I guess that's that I mean I, I could I could talk so much more about this uh, battletech is so big and vast and there's so many different facets to it that uh, you know I've I've barely scratched the surface with uh, with the, the, the little chat about uh, about the animated series and really honestly just a bit of an overview and and a bit of detail about the first episode of the animated series but um but, yeah, um next week, Rico will be looking at the uh, the WB uh, Justice League animated series. so that's uh, two cartoon weeks in a row for those of you that uh, that enjoy animated shows. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think this is one that I've ever seen. Uh, i I can recognize it. I can think of it in my head, but I don't think I've seen an episode. so uh, so I am looking quite forward to uh, to hearing all about that. And um aside from that, I just uh, as usual, wanna. I want to thank everyone for listening and thank Rico so much for giving all of us the opportunity to, to kind of sit in front of our computers and our Rico caves and, uh, and talk about things that we're interested in because, uh, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of podcasters and, and other creators don't, don't really like taking the spotlight off of themselves, but, uh, you know, Rico, you're, you're an amazing person and, uh, you continue to foster, uh, great community and creativity in, in everyone that uh, that 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 seems to come across you so uh, thank you very much and once again thanks to everybody else have a good uh, have a good week and may the force be with you in 3d!